there is no punt god. Um, how that's well, welcome to the pocket problem, episode 56. <laughs> I am your host, Ace Amvender, and we are presented as always by Homefield Apparel and Points Bet. We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are a meet at midfield production. And I should mention right now off the top, midfield.com. We are running a 33% off discount for all subscriptions all week through Saturday as our little week one gift to you. So um, please sign up. We had a lot of fun with the open thread on Saturday. We have been pumping out a ton of preview posts. Me and Taylor are through by now uh, most of the Michigan position previews. Uh, got a couple left to to knock out there, but um, shockingly, these are these are happening on on time. Uh, I am joined today by Taylor, Connor, and Alex. You have already heard all of their voices as we talked about uh, Brady Hoke and Matt Arazia and uh, that whole shit storm. Um, cowardly, cowardly move to just walk out of a press conference. Uh, that's uh, you got to know that you're going to get that question, and if you don't yeah. know what I'm talking about, uh, just keep on going. Just roll right along. Um, in fact, Taylor, I'm going to ask you to do a huge 180 here and just lean hard into your big mood as a, as a tone setting, as a tone setter here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, I just want to say um, I did write about the Ariza situation for Meet at Midfield. It is free. You can read that. I will hopefully going to be continuing to write some of that, um, more of that, like, thoughtful content. Um coming soon however um that doesn't that obviously matters but right now my brain is football my brain is entirely football football soon come um i have watched perhaps 12 straight hours of um, offensive line footage i am ready to run through um, a brick wall for all of these people um, they can probably do it for you, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. I don't need to do any of the work. I'm also, I think it's great to be previewing the offensive line because I am like a very tiny person that has no athletic ability whatsoever. So like the le- the last position I should be previewing is the offensive line. Like I- I'm like the least qualified. I would be a great running back. I have a lot of like, I'm real low to the ground. I'm scrappy, but I, I-, I don't know if I could be a lineman. That's all I got. I'm just excited to be here um, and not think about my my bad professional football team doing a bad thing with a bad punter. Yes, um, Connor, I'm just gonna swing it right over to you. We're, we're we're keeping these quick and breezy. Go blue, beat Ohio. Simple, succinct, excellent. Alex, yeah, my big mood is that I'm feeling as excited for a Michigan team as I felt in a really long time before the season. I won't say exactly what year comes to mind where the preseason hype was getting to me like this, because um, it didn't turn out to be a great <laughs> Don't season. Don't do it. I know. I'm not I, doing I, I it. I'm I not know. doing it. I think I know. I'm not doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm only positive vibes. Like what, reading all the national preview content is so refreshing because everybody's like. Yeah, Michigan, really legit top 10 team, legit schedule. All comes down to the Ohio State game. And, uh, you know, if you recall correctly, they won last year. And reading all of that and consuming all of that is validating my own feelings towards this team, which, like, best Michigan offense on paper in a really long time, maybe ever. Um, Defense, you know, 
probably going to take a setback. But again, you look at the offenses that they're going to play and you're not really too scared of most of them. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this season. I probably won't go to a ton of games. I do feel bad for the season ticket holders who have to pay face for four tickets of UConn, <laughs> four tickets oh. of Hawaii like that. That is just cruel of the athletic department. Yeah, I don't blame yeah. I don't blame yeah. folks for selling, <laughs> especially since Michigan is very openly treated the first two games like scrimmages. <laughs> That's correct. My mom, my mom has season tickets. Uh, she has them. She bought them. I think my junior year of college because she was like, "I can come visit you and your and stay in your apartment." Um, so shout out, mom. Um, but yeah, it's not a. It's pretty grim. She kept the season tickets. We still have them. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty grim. Those yeah. first couple games are not. My parents um, cite the Delaware State game in 2009 as the reason why they gave up student or uh, season tickets. Because they're <laughs> like, why are we paying this? We can't even give these away. We can't even pay people to drive from Grand Rapids to go watch us obliterate Delaware State. Incidentally, um, that was uh, the first game that I missed uh, not for a family wedding as a student. And it was because I was pretty hungover and Delaware State was not worth it. <laughs> Yeah, first first game I missed as a student was the Utah rain delay game, which that was oof, that was brutal. I was I was rather inebriated for that one. But I yeah, just, anyways, he left the press box early in that game. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, we don't want to talk about the Hulk era more than we have to. I'm super excited for football. I'm super excited for Michigan. I'm expecting this team to be in the top five of the polls pretty much all season. And yeah, let the chips fall where they may. Um got the uh usa versus england game and then michigan versus ohio state game coming up after thanksgiving so that'll be a lot of fun let's go um i'm going to uh take a brief detour to discuss um the illegitimate 1997 national champions um as opposed to our beloved legitimate 1997 national champions uh I watched Nebraska lose Northwestern in Ireland on Saturday. I wasn't in Ireland. I just watched it on TV. Uh, but boy, was that fun. I, I, I want them to do this every year. I want them to send Nebraska to a different, more remote, foreign location to open every season in week zero. Give them a different, like whether it's like a crummy Big Ten opponent or like some middle, just some team where it's going to be embarrassing to lose to them. Or just maybe we just cycle through the rest of the teams in the state of Illinois until they finally beat one. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. Um, but, I, you know, I, it's just so great. It, it feels like football season when you see Scott Frost just with that look like he has just smelled the nastiest fart. And he's not sure where it's coming from. And he's got to try to call plays through it. And, and it's, not, it's not going well. It's really going poorly. And, and he's losing to Northwestern. If we want to ship them overseas, I know um, professional sports in other countries have turned to golf monarchies for additional <laughs> money. So I could definitely see Nebraska losing to, uh, I don't know, Illinois State. A- anyone. UA- it could be anybody. Yeah. <laughs> UAE. Just, uh, Liberty will happily take a game in Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah. Live ball. <laughs> I think uh, I think that would be a good brand synergy between the Huskers. And the funny thing is, is like they would send a ton of people, like planes and planes worth of people across any ocean to any site to watch their I don't know five and seven football team lose to like Indiana. That was one of the other really just hilarious thing about watching 
that Nebraska Northwestern game was that it was very obvious on TV that Nebraska fans showed out doubling way harder than Northwestern fans, and they had to watch that. Yeah, it was brutal. It was. I will also say, Ace, you mentioned earlier that Scott Frost was calling plays. He wasn't. He oh he yeah, that's right. He gave that up to duties. Mark Whipple. <laughs> the one right. thing he did well. The one thing he did well was call plays, and he was like, you know what? I think I've diagnosed the problem with our team. Bring you in know, Mark Whipple. You know your football program is healthy when the AD forces the coach to hire a new coordinator and stop calling plays. That's usually a good sign. And it's a bad idea, Trev Alberts. <laughs> I just I've, a bad I've, idea. I have only two things to say here. One is that it is... It, truly impressive that Scott Frost took like one of the worst special team situations I've ever seen in college football last year and made it even worse this year. <laughs> That's that is really just gifted coaching. Um, oh, the second thing kick. is, I the second thing is I feel a little bit bad for our buddy Ben, uh, the Northwestern Maven, because I think he was really banking on Northwestern being absolutely terrible this year and um signs of life i'm, I'm a little bit worried about ben we might have to uh no th- know, those are the two check. worst teams in the big 10 west and therefore <laughs> the big 10 uh it's i i think i i think what we're gonna learn from that game is it was actually even worse than we thought <laughs> yeah all i'm saying is can i imagine a scenario where you know um Northwestern somehow Northwestern to a Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, or, or just like Northwestern picks off four passes against Iowa's wretched defense uh, offense or something like that. You know what I mean? Like like Pat Fitzgerald has has had has dragged some really hideous teams to bowl games before. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I, I think I, I will maintain team. that Northwestern is like a bottom two team in the conference and they could absolutely win nine games this year. There yeah, you go. Yeah, it's upsetting. <laughs> it upsets me, honestly. And I think my favorite part was Pat Fitzgerald's three absolutely cowardly third down calls. Oh my god! Though so, there were three, Mike Bajakian. Brutal. What are I you just, doing? It was just so upsetting to watch them run it on third down, just completely uninspired, and just absolutely cowardly calls not going for it on fourth down, willing to go for it on fourth down, like in Nebraska territory, not their own, but just did not want to, but was just like, yeah, we'll just take the points. We'll stay safe. No, that's silly. That is big 10 West. The big 10 West is awful that any other football team would have won that would have won that game. Well, maybe not any other football team, but um, no, I mean, I maintain that the big Ten should most, give both those teams a loss for that game. It, 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 it will unbalance so the schedule in a weird way, but you know, whatever, just, just deal with it. Oof. Okay. Uh, enough of the Nebraska Northwestern game. Let's talk about a good football team and that's Michigan. Oh, we're about to talk about bad football teams again. I'm sorry. Uh, we are going to go through the schedule um, and just give our brief thoughts on that. We have sorted the schedule by uh, SP plus win probability, uh, which is a thing that I did on meetupmidfield.com in a post earlier. So it was very easy to copy and paste into the show notes, but it nicely breaks, breaks down the season into uh, uh, two pods of four games a piece, one three game pod, and then Ohio state shocker. Um, Ohio state's in its own category of game because you've looked at the schedule too. Um, so we start with the four games that were in the near guaranteed win category. This had Michigan with a win probability 
uh, greater than 90% heading into the season, which is notable because uh, Illinois won in week one. It looked kind of good doing it. Um, and uh, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn are the three other teams in this category. UConn also surprisingly frisky in week one, which uh, might have cost me some money that I had laid on Utah State. Uh, but uh, I think of these four, Illinois is probably the one that's capable of jumping up a group just because they have a very good running game. And Chase Brown, who is uh, awesome at running back, and Brett Bielema's a proven good coach. Um, he's better than Paul Christ. Just look at their respective records at Wisconsin. Um, so I, I don't think any of these teams is a real threat to Michigan. Uh, Illinois is going to have a tough time piecing together enough consistency, I think, and also stopping Michigan. But they, they're they certainly the team of these four that could conceivably put a scare into this team, I think. Yeah, I think it's almost a little offensive to group them with the likes of Hawaii and UConn. Um, that was SP+. Plus. No, I know. I know. No yeah, the, the computers are, are being very rude to our big, beautiful boy, Brett Bielema. I also have been um, listening to Patrick Mayhorn, and I'm convinced that Illinois is, is building a, a solid program there. It's still kind of in the early stages. Um, and yeah, I can't believe that Indiana is actually favored against Illinois this weekend. Are they still favored? I'm literally opening up, opening up multiple sports books right now to play when some I, they are. <laughs> I saw that in a chat this morning, and I was like, okay, that's that's a ten dollar bet right um, because I, I I know last weekend. Oh, it is Indiana minus three. You've got to be kidding me. What yeah. what is? I'm, I'm opening Hold another. On. Tell I'm, me open, more about I'm, this. I'm opening another sports book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to tell my phone up. Um. I so I actually watched the entirety of that oh game. Oh my god! Um, Indiana minus three, and it's minus one hundred and five. This is on points bet, folks. The one I can <laughs> say out loud on this show. I just threw twenty bucks down on that. Ah, and I almost threw it on Indiana in haste. <laughs> uh, gamble, gamble responsibly, and, uh, uh, and you, uh, yeah, gamble responsibly. Put ten on the uh, on the money line and uh, ten on the spread. That's yeah, and, that's and gambling please responsibly. <laughs> Please DM my co-host on Twitter uh, if you're if you're you know if you need tips. I don't I don't gamble on football. I think it's sacrilegious. But um, I I watched this whole game because uh, I was at home with my parents and they're Wyoming Cowboys fans, as am I, sort of. And Wyoming got whooped. Um, they're not very good this year, and they're you know a group of five team. But I will say Chase Brown is legit. Like that dude is a, is a baller. I think the Big Ten has a ton of great running backs this year, and. Yeah, he's way up there in the list of big time running backs. That dude can play um, in every dimension of the game. He's like your your ideal all purpose guy, honestly. Uh, and I would say this: like the fact that Illinois' deep offense looked, you know, pretty cohesive. Like the quarterback was not Archer Sitkowski until garbage time. That Devito kid is like fine. The receivers are fine. The offensive line seems perfectly solid. It does mean something because like Wyoming has always under Craig Bull had like competent overachieving defenses so like you know whooping up on them is not it's not like quite like whooping up on UConn so I think Illinois is getting some disrespect with a K from the analysts and from the computers yeah I mean there's a lot of pre-Bielema baked in there and uh Lovey Smith was just so bad that it's I, I think it's hard for the uh the computers to figure out how to extract that <laughs> from the equation pro- properly and introduce, you know, competent coaching because Lovey Smith was uh, continuing to run a defense from the mid 1990s. 
Yeah, and people forget about this, but Lovey Smith is actually an NFL head coach right now in Houston, which is just absolutely <laughs> Wait, <what>? mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. Never forget that no, the Houston Texans have turned over their entire franchise to a youth pastor. Oh, my God. No, I think I, I totally blacked that out because it's so preposterous. That rocks. That Davis Mills is their starting quarterback and Lovey Smith is their head coach. And Hell things, yeah, dude. And things are actually kind of looking up for them compared to last year. That is Houston Texans football in a nutshell. It's oh it's it's God. really, really bleak. Um we move into slightly less bleak territory with the heavy lean win category. I think we've talked enough about uh the four teams uh that um I think actually three of them played last weekend, but um they're bad. Illinois might be less bad, but they're still bad. These are the slightly less bad teams. Uh, and now we can feel good about saying this based on watching one of them in week zero. Um, this is Michigan with a win probability of 70 to 90%. These four teams are Indiana, Maryland, Nebraska, and Rutgers. Um, I, I would ask which of these games has the most upset potential, but considering I think Nebraska just got thoroughly knocked out of contention, <laughs> um, I think we're all going to say Maryland at once. So uh, does anybody have any other thoughts other than Maryland? I was going to say Nebraska until, uh, as one of my co-hosts reminded me, but we're now calling the troubles occurred uh, <laughs> over in Ireland. <laughs> like I, I came into the show. I'm on record now in previous episodes as saying, I thought Nebraska could be like a feisty, like eight or nine win team this year. I apologize to everyone. Um, I'm you did the scholarly sorry. thing. You looked at Nebraska on paper and you said, there's no reason this team shouldn't be good. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, uh, scholars are still trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with Nebraska football right now. And I just forgot that the head coach <laughs> was Scott Frost. who yeah. is like one of history's great losers. Um, you know, Ill- illegitimate national champion, Scott Frost. Uh, you know, he's, he's paying some karmic debts right now. That's all I'm going to say. They showed so. Nebraska's record when losing at halftime under Scott Frost. And it was something like three and 20. Yeah. Like, three oh and 21 God. now, I believe. Yeah. I, the thing about Nebraska is like everybody looked at them before the season and the conventional wisdom is like, oh, if a team loses a bunch of one score games, you know, chances are they're better than their record and going to, you know, regress to the mean the next season or vice versa. You know, if they win a lot of close games, they might be a little overrated. And that's like, maybe they lose a lot of close games because they're badly coached and they choke a lot. Like as a fan of the Detroit Lions, I think it's possible to say that, you know, luck, quote unquote, in close games is not really luck. And some some teams win, win games and some teams just piss them away. Yeah. That, Once again, I will, re- I will remind you, their Northwestern at points, their offense played to lose. It was just so frustrating. And Nebraska, I believe, what was up by double digits twice, and then and then uh, just absolutely wasted those. So I mean, they, they let yeah. Northwestern put up their second five hundred yard total offense game in the <laughs> last fifty five games. That includes non-conference. That includes games against Illinois. That includes all the games. That is unbelievable. There should not be a long enough clock in a football game for Northwestern to gain 500 yards of offense. They should be too tired from running to to gain that many yardage. I thought you were going to say 55 years because it's Northwestern. I mean, it feels like it, man. It really feels like it. But they did have some fun offenses back in the day. Um. 
I to tie it back into Michigan, uh, to, to what Alex said about like coaching and how that plays into sort of the, the the margins in games and how tight games go. Like, I think we saw it last year with Michigan, where like I think we can say at this point, overall coaching in the program took a step up. Uh, you know, pre you know relative to prior Harbaugh years for the 2021 team, and lo and behold. Michigan gutted out a bunch of close games and tough games, except for the one game that did not happen. And we will not be talking about, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the Nebraska game at Nebraska was a perfect example of this. Like Michigan was a better coach team. They did all the little things much, much better. Their mental game was way better. And that's why they're Michigan and not Nebraska. Yeah. We just had to wait for Nebraska to shoot themselves in the foot and they happily obliged. <laughs> um, yep. I do think that Matt Weiss deserves a lot of credit for kind of, playing a little bit more of the intelligent Madden style of football yes. rather than getting up to the line with 10 seconds on the play clock. Um, so it's a good thing that he's still around as for uh, which game I'm most concerned about for the, for the heavy lean win category. Um, we all want to say Maryland. I just want to point out that Harbaugh has covered against Maryland in every game he's coached against them at Michigan. Um, mostly in huge spreads last year, Michigan won by, I think 41 points or something. Um, but Rutgers on paper, you're like, okay, Rutgers is not going to pose a challenge for Michigan. This is a joke. (laughs) But last year, Rutgers put up a better fight against Michigan than many other teams did. So although Harbaugh's um, best team really covered that spread. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I will say Shiano is like, a competent builder in the Brett Bielema yes. mode where you're thinking like, okay, if Rutgers can develop an identity as a, a team with a really strong front seven, tough to score on, like they would be a team that you could see theoretically climb in the ladder a little bit in a different division. Um, contrast that with say Indiana, who clearly appears to be circling the drain a little bit. Mm. Um, I am just a big Mike Loxley hater and then, yeah, yeah, you look at Nebraska at home, and it's just kind of like, eh. I, I don't think you should give Rutgers any credit for Michigan having to play them on the road because, as we know, there are many Michigan fans in the New York <laughs> City metro area. Um, I believe my brother is going to be taking the train down for Manhattan for that one. And I don't know. I, it could be an ugly game um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I, I think, like, the thing with Rutgers, like you're saying about Shiano, I think, like, they – they're less likely to beat themselves than obviously Nebraska, who are the the past masters of it or Maryland. This is the thing. Like I'm going to get on record right now. I am not afraid of Maryland because I think Mike Loxley is a fraud, even if he's good at recruiting skilled players. I, I um, do want to just chip in and say, I also think Mike Loxley is a fraud. That's not why I'm scared <laughs> of Maryland. Well, and, and I will say we're underrating. There's an X factor in this game, which is that, Michigan versus Maryland no longer involves the most underrated feud in the Big Ten, which was Josh Gaddis versus Mike Locksley. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Those guys hated each other after they left Alabama, and they were both like, you know, promoting themselves as like, I was the, you know, the national championship Bama OC. And Locksley was like big dogging Gaddis, being like, all he did was put together the, the, the game plans. And like Gaddis was snapped, clapping back at him. And in return, Gaddis would hang, you know, very large point totals. <laughs> on Mike Loxley. So we don't have that anymore, but I just, I think with Maryland is like, they haven't had any defense since forever. Since anyone can remember, they're not going to have any defense this year. Michigan's just going to score like 60 points on them again. So yeah, they could have the second best passing attack in the big 10 between Tonga Vailoa and a really good core of receivers, but 
you're going to need more than that to beat Michigan, even if, you know, our Achilles heel does appear to be pass defense potentially. I mean, like if you could give, if you could give Maryland's like passing attack and real quarterback to Iowa, they'd be a great team. Like if you took like bits and if you like Frankenstein together, a big 10 team, that would be like, I would actually take uh, Maryland's passing attack probably over most of the rest of the Big Ten, Ohio State notwithstanding. Um, like, if, if, if you, you don't include to make, Michigan like, a in there, team. I'm actually going to be a little upset because two is a fraud. <laughs> or Talia. Oh, yeah. Talia I, is. Dan's not, not here. He can't. We, he's not he's here. can't he's defend not himself. Good. That's not fair. <laughs> no, it's not fair. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard that Talia is good too much, and I'm sorry. I've, I've looked at the numbers, I've watched him play. That man is only good against bad teams. No, two is it Tyler? <laughs> isn't Tyler Piggy Pig Rome still playing college football somewhere right now? Is he? <laughs> He'd be like a 19th year senior, but he probably. I think is. he's. I think someone pointed him out as he was like the you know eighth year like eighth COVID year guy somewhere. But I, I agree that Tully is a fraud. I dude, I think Maryland honestly sucks. It's going to be like six and six again. Like I'm not buying this. So yeah, I just they're I... gonna they're gonna have the Nebraska narrative of like this is the best average team in the country like that's going to be the whole thing of like oh my god this team is so great they're five and seven but man are they good and you're going to be like i guess sure but that's that's what i think and i actually do i am going to defend dan's honor because i actually like uh talia uh probably because i watch a lot of tua and i don't like tua at all um but i think He's he's not bad, and I'm curious to see if he has made any strides uh, in his game this this season. If he does, I think that that is a that is a really good thing for him and a bad thing for other teams. But yeah, there's nothing else to them. It's going to be bad news for Rutgers and the other like two Big Ten teams they can compete with. I agree. You know, I am really intrigued by the idea of a Big Ten Franken team. Like, if you combine Maryland's passing, Illinois' rushing, and Rutgers' defense, you could get like a nine-win team in the Big Ten out of that. <laughs> um, Terrell Pigrome is still playing college football. Hell yeah, <laughs> uh, Piggy! I should bring him back. I'm trying. I'm trying to find a page that actually lists all his former stops because there are a few. God, can Connor... nobody fill out a dang bio? Um, he was at Ole Miss prior to last year. Uh, prior to that, uh, where was he? He's at Towson now. Um, uh, and he was at. For people who don't remember Piggy, uh who is Terrell Pickerall, former Maryland quarterback, who was like 5'10 and could run. Uh, he was at Maryland in 2016, uh, led the Terps to a win over Texas in 2017, played at Western Kentucky and then Ole Miss, and is now at Towson. Uh, this is his seventh year because he's had a medical redshirt, a traditional redshirt, and the COVID exemption. Every time you say Piggy, I think about reading Lord of the Flies in 11th grade. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we all had to do that. Um, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Better than a lot of high school reading. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. I will definitely give it that. Um, anything else on this this group of four relatively uninspiring teams? I, I think we all are pretty down on Indiana this year, considering I just placed a bet live on air against them and on Illinois. <laughs> um, 
and nobody told me to uh, throw my phone into a lake. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know Tom Allen has made one really good hire at offensive coordinator in Kalen DeBoer, who's now the head coach at Washington, and three, well, two proven really bad hires. I think this is gonna we be could just go ahead and throw Walt really Bell bad. into the bad yeah. category already. We've seen Walt Bell. We know Walt Bell. Um, the man was the offensive coordinator of Maryland. It did not go well. I, I think Indiana. I mean, you're not working with even a Maryland-level uh, talent base right now. I think there are some teams that, like, Jim Harbaugh gets a, gets a gleam in his eye about. I think Indiana is on that list until a further notice because they had the cheek to, you know, beat the shit out of Michigan during the COVID year that doesn't count. And uh, I don't think he's gotten over that. So they better look out. They also had the he... call to injure uh, Chase Winovich, and I'm not over that yes. personally. So I think he's different. trying to avenge his brother-in-law, Tom Crean, who managed to <laughs> land a number one overall recruit at Georgia and still was complete ass there. <laughs> Yeah, but how's Indiana been since then? Oh, it's been great. Nothing, nothing <laughs> but uh, wins and happy, happy fans. Definitely very so happy. Go Hoosier! Sunshine and rainbows, as uh, our our wonderful friends at home field will tell you. Um, okay, let's move on to the uh, interesting games. Uh, slightly in win category, this is the sixty to seventy percent win probability. There is a big gap in win probability uh, in Michigan's schedule. Uh, between uh, about 30 and about 60 because uh, yeah it's it's not very balanced uh i i am personally a fan of conference expansion because uh let's add some more interesting football teams to this conference please uh, iowa michigan state penn state the three teams you would expect to cause michigan a little bit of trouble uh i am going to say right off the bat that it's company policy that we are very concerned about michigan state an extremely well-built football team uh built on a sound foundation definitely not rickety and uh yeah we believe in we believe in mel tucker we've invested in tuck coin uh we are we are spending the tuck bucks and uh and we are waiting for the uh nf tucks to drop um we're investing in all of it we, we're back on the crypto thing some of us who have never been on the crypto thing are now in on the crypto thing it's it's uh it's just how we've got to be as a company until Michigan beats Michigan State because I just uh, want to say to everyone that might be worried about me, Ace is definitely not outside my apartment with a crossbow right now. No, why me. would I do that? Uh, he's not I, up I in a tree. <laughs> he's not up in a tree wearing camouflage, uh, thinking he's slick. Uh, I don't know how he can podcast from up there in this hypothetical scenario, but um, yeah, I'd like to state retract all um previous statements about Michigan State and say that I deeply fear them and have this penciled in as a definite loss for Michigan. Thank you, Connor. Um, yes, say what you want about Sparty, but they usually do play their best game of the season yes. against Michigan. <laughs> this is why we are not, like, it's a joke. Like, like, we're doing a bit, but it's also kind of not a bit because I just don't understand how Michigan State, like, constantly plays as well as they do against Michigan. And it also seems to coincide with Michigan just either through game plan or through just injury or mistakes or they something just something weird's in the water before that game. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see Michigan State just totally eat it against like Minnesota at home and then turn around a few weeks later and play Michigan down to the wire in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I expect that game to be annoyingly close, even if I do expect. I'm not going to say what I expect. Um, <laughs> I expect Michigan is, State to win. I, I think you. close is always reasonable to expect, and like I was just saying to you guys 
prior to recording this, like I had totally forgotten that like horrific JJ McCarthy to Blake Corum fumble that happened, like two players that I love. And that was, you know, very costly moment last year. I'd forgotten it because it was just like both so horrific, but also like had nothing to do with the rest of the season. That's not a problem that those guys have, right? Like they don't do stuff like that. They just happened to do it against Michigan State. And like, what can you say other than aberrant stuff always happens in that game? And it's infuriating. Damn. Kenneth Walker the third was pretty aberrant too. <laughs> so I hope. Just, I mean, I really hope player. so. <laughs> There's, if they get a, if they get the same level of play out of Jarek Broussard, then I quit. I, I just fucking quit. <laughs> um, that would be that would be shocking to me. Quite honestly, I did. I mean, I like him. I do think he's pretty good. I don't. But I'm he's, not necessarily... he's, he's not like a, an NFL level player. <laughs> like, no. That's what we're worried about here. No, he's like a guy in like five years when, when someone posts on Twitter like, hey, want to remember some guys? You're going to remember that guy. Yeah, someone um, posts Jarek Broussard and someone's like, damn, nice pull. Yeah, they're, they'll be like, you dug deep for that. Um, and As opposed to like drafting Kenneth Walker in like the third round fantasy for the NFL. <laughs> I think I did draft him. I can't remember what I did. Um, I had a rough, I had a rough fantasy uh, football drafting experience. I won't talk about it. Um, anyway, uh, I actually would like to pivot um, from Michigan State, um, mostly for legal reasons, because Ace <laughs> does pay me for me to midfield in Tuckcoin, So I can't really disparage the product. Um, it's true. I would like, yeah, I'm getting all my, I'm getting all my money in crypto. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm actually really more concerned about, not more concerned. I think each of these games presents their own unique set of challenges, um, which I wrote about at meetatmidfield.com. Um, you should subscribe, et cetera. Um, this week only. That's true. This is this is correct. Uh, I actually think that Iowa might be more of a, uh, authority game. I think just in the nature of, and I understand we, we've got, we've debunked Kinnick. We've done all of that. I do, however, believe that Iowa might be better than we think. Again, defensively, I would like to say defensively. <laughs> we are very defensively talking about Iowa and only Iowa's defense. And we still have to be defensive because their offense is so offensive. But yes. not offensive. If you catch my drift. I do think this might be like Kirk Ferentz's masterpiece this year, where he may actually have, I mean, we believe, in Dan's calculations, the worst offense in the entire Big Ten, which is really saying something. And also, it quite possibly, the best defense in the entire Big Ten. They have it's like so beautiful. many. Yeah. They, they could conceivably have like a top 10 defense and like an 80th or worst, worst ranked offense. I, I would not be shocked by that. It would not surprise me in the slightest just because they do, they are returning really um, solid talent. Um, Riley Moss, uh, Jack Campbell, it's going to be a really good season for them. Their only, their only offensive weapon is, is, La, is Laporta. Spencer Petritz, I don't know what he does. Um, I'm not sure if it's football. <laughs> I know um, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, all of this to say, I do think it's still one of those like tricky games just because, it it's almost again it's kind of a funny joke to not like uh, iowa's offense and therefore you know it's maybe easier to not prepare as well i don't think that that is a problem for michigan per se 
but I do go into that game with a bit more caution than I know some of my esteemed colleagues on this program do. Um, Penn State does not worry me at all, especially because it's at home. Sorry. Penn Penn State, if I'm being real, is probably the team that worries me the most of all of them because if if things come together, they have the most talent of any of these teams, and it's not even close. That, that offensive line, though, is worse than Iowa's. I actually think it's worse than Iowa's after I watched it. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think all of these teams are deeply flawed. I think one of those flaws for all of these teams is the offensive line, which is a p- real problem, especially since yeah. that's probably going to be the way to beat Michigan this year is being really strong up front. Um, but Penn State just has, uh, I mean, Sean Clifford, when he was healthy last year, was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, he was Washington. really he good was, before he, he got wasn't hurt. healthy yeah. for long, but when he was healy he was <laughs> really say. good uh, regardless of whether he's he's good he has Parker, that dog Parker Washington was really good they've got like they've got four star talent everywhere Five it's just star a matter. Back I'm actually really in. high on Mitchell Tinsley so that's, yeah that's fine. Nick Singleton like Alex said five star running back coming in they've the thing about Penn State lit several five star running backs on fire recently <laughs> so yeah. I, I I don't know but like I I just like Michigan State, I, I don't know if, like, other than the Ohio State game, Michigan is not going to be more fired up for a game than they are going to be for Michigan State. That is, that is just, I guess you probably could have said that also last year, but um, I don't know. Like, the, the, this team is going to be really angry that that was the other loss last year uh, I, in the conference. And then yeah, Iowa, I, Iowa, I watched the Big Ten title game. Like, I don't know what else to say about Iowa. <laughs> Well, Sam is... Laporta is no pain Durham. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Friend of the show, pain Durham. Blatant pandering, but we'll let it slide. <laughs> Iowa has a proven record of getting you to play games in their style. Like Michigan hit a few really big plays in the first half. And then once, you know, they were up 14 to three, the game was basically over. Um, <laughs> I was still tried some of that field position bullshit, but it didn't work because Michigan had a better punter than they did. But uh, yeah, I, believe, I, would say I believe they kicked the field goal after Michigan went up 14, nothing. They were cowardly. Yeah. The I mean, that's <laughs> Kirk Ferentz masterpiece well, right there. And they had like a fullback pass that the guy missed by yes, they a did. few feet that was wide open for a touchdown and then Michigan's but, like, here, watch Donovan Edwards throw a pass. Yeah, it is incredibly Iowa to be like, we have saved this trick play all season for the most important game, and it's a fucking, like, long pass to a fullback thrown by a guy who's not a quarterback, like, that has such a high likelihood of not working out just based on these dudes not being athletic enough to execute the play, and that's exactly what happened, and it's like, you can do this with, like, athletic people. Why don't you do this with maybe people who aren't white? Iowa football is like proof positive that nepotism is a good organizational strategy. Oh like my god! Every every organization. Get you ten wins. Yeah, I get so upset promote talking the son, about Iowa the, football. It's not the son of the boss. Yeah, I have. I, I I'm gonna say like Iowa. So briefly about Iowa. My thing with Iowa is I am not worried about that game unless it's a nightmare game where Iowa's defense, which is designed to get turnovers, if they somehow get a bunch mm-hmm. of turnovers, it could get ugly. Michigan that's you, that's you are right literally... in, that, in that Iowa's like strategically designed to occasionally create some very weird very short games and that can produce some upsets I would yeah, feel better well with <laughs> McNamara in that game I was about to say the I mean, same thing 
I don't know. JJ did pretty well against him last year. Like I, I'm just not sweating the quarterback situation. I think I, I'm not sweating it unless things really go south due to Iowa having a great defense that is engineered to mess with your head. And like I've seen, like for instance, a coach we all like, you know, Matt Campbell has been unable to beat Iowa because like that Iowa unnerving defense seems to work really well on his teams. Well, um, and he also once had like one of his gunners run directly into one of his punt returner <laughs> at the moment yeah. the ball arrived <laughs> at a very critical juncture in the game. <laughs> like, yeah, Iowa State might actually have some sort of weird curse when it comes to the Iowa game. <laughs> like that's the Kirk Ferentz. He's got that D'Antonio like dark magic man. Like he's got he's got some of that in him. He does. Um, and and James Franklin is on the opposite end of that scale. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, that's a good segue because like my only take about Penn State is this like they have the athletes to compete with anyone, like Michigan, Ohio State, doesn't matter. Like they've got they can be in a game physically with anybody on both sides of the ball. The problem is the head coach is James Franklin, who, frankly, I think is bad. And I hope the college football narrative finally like completely turns on this guy this year because I'm sick of him having mediocre, underachieving teams and getting praised. It's ridiculous. Well, it's, it's you know, because best... his agent expresses interest in the USC job that uh, USC has totally reciprocated. And, uh, yeah, suddenly uh, you're getting glowing, uh, um, you know write-ups from national reporters and uh, people legitimately talking about you as a candidate for the USC job. Like that's a totally realistic thing that's going to happen. And uh, then you get recruits somehow. I, I don't Franklin know. I don't know how Texas also a thing at one point that wasn't this past season, but it was a couple seasons ago. Right. I that, mean, like, I, I, his agent has floated his name for every dang big time <laughs> job that has come open. And I don't know why people keep falling for it. And by people, I mean the people at Penn state who are in charge of handing out the money. <laughs> the best case scenario for Michigan is to have one of the more historically powerful programs in the country, get locked into a B plus coach because Jimmy Sexton is like, Hey, he wants to leave. This other school is going to give him a huge bag. You need to pay him Mel Tucker money or he's out the door and having them be like, Oh shit. Yeah. We got to We got to, we got to sign him. We got to lock him up for another 10 years. Yeah. That is a really good point. Actually, Alex. I, yeah. Yeah. I may have to tolerate this man. If he remains coach of Penn state and takes them out of <laughs> actually contending in, in conclusion, James Franklin. Good. Thank you. Um, I think uh, any more on, I mean, I, I I think we're all kind of in agreement that Michigan should win each of these games, but the issue is that, you know, if you uh, multiply percentages together, they go down faster than you think. And uh, so the odds of Michigan winning all three of these games are below 50%. And yeah. that that's why we are discussing which of these teams is most likely to bite Michigan in the ass. Cause there's also about a 50, 50 chance that they lose to one of the four teams from the heavy lean win category, or that was the case before Nebraska did their week zero thing. Uh, don't, don't hold me to that number after, <laughs> after that performance. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about this because in all likelihood, uh, I, I mean, it's just really hard to go undefeated. It doesn't, Ohio state loses uh, like some pretty random games. Uh, sometimes it's Purdue and it's really funny. Um, and Iowa, Michigan State, and Penn State all have. I mean, Michigan State's got the Peyton Thorne to Jaden Reed connection, um, in addition to their weird magic that keeps all games against Michigan close, except every once in a while when Michigan just gets sick of it. The weird magic of wanting it more. <laughs> yes, and the, the weird magic of, yeah, the, basing your entire season around your in state rivalry instead of uh, picturing anything bigger. Uh, but, Last thought on these yeah. games is just that the, uh, 
the home road split matters a lot in these series. Like I think going from happy Valley to the big house is a swing of like 10 points, 12 points. Right. I mean, I, I, that it matters a lot. That, that sounds about right. Michigan if somebody has been to happy Valley a couple times in the last yeah. decade. <laughs> yeah. I was there in 2018 or no, 2019. Um, and yeah, that was a very raucous environment. Although, yeah, Ronnie Bell, he was right there for the the catch. Mm, the... Thanks mm. for that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those are the kind of things that can happen and uh, can swing a whole season. But I mean, the realistic thing before we get into discussing Ohio State, um, the other team remaining on the schedule, is given that Ohio State is the last game, and that game is almost certainly going to determine the Big Ten East champion. Michigan can very conceivably, Michigan can almost certainly drop one of these games and still go into the Ohio State game with a win and you're in both for the Big Ten Championship and if you win that, you're in the playoff uh, without having to sweat it out much at all. So Very similar to last year, honestly. Uh, So it's not a bad bad place to be. And Michigan State, for as much as I think that they are a great program and – um, wonderfully run Mel Tucker, <laughs> you rock. Uh, I do think that they, that without Walker, they are less of an overarching concern to me, mm. except for that. I do think that they will win. Go yes. green. Yes. Tuck coin to the moon. Uh, <laughs> the red cedar is a mighty, mighty river. All right. In the uh, heavy lean loss category, uh, Ohio state. That's just what the numbers say. Don't yell at me about them. They, the numbers are what they are, and they say that there are three teams that are way in front of anybody else in the country, and those teams are Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, which should surprise absolutely nobody. Um, and unfortunately, the main thing that's changed from last year is that they've hired a defense coordinator who's going to do something besides throw a bunch of athletes out there and say, go be athletes. And um, that's really um, bit Ohio State in the ass a couple times. Uh, they got paved by both Oregon and and Michigan last year, they changed defensive coordinators in between those games uh, because Kerry Combs was not cutting it as a play caller, which uh, anybody who would follow Gary Combs' career could have seen coming. That dude is a great recruiter and uh, a good at developing quarterback cornerbacks. You don't want him in charge of uh, scheme at all. Um, Jim Knowles comes over from Oklahoma State and is good. Uh, he's good at his job. But uh, they still have the linebackers that they've recruited, and uh, that's been a, a sore spot for them. And Against Michigan, I mean, that's a bad place to not be at your best is the linebacker level of the defense because that is basically what Jim Harbaugh lives to fuck with. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think that their that their linebackers are still uh, pretty stinky, uh, respectfully. Uh, I do also think that I am really bullish on Michigan's offensive line. Uh and sorry, there's like, I have a foster dog and she's snoring really loudly. Uh, but I will say um, solid offensive line play could make this game more competitive for Michigan. They would have to compete with Ohio State's offense, which we kind of know what's going to happen there. It's going to be a bloodbath on that side of the ball. Um, but do we, do we know that? We have I think Smith we together. do. I, mean, I think we do. We we gotta check the weather report. We we need yeah we need medical checks on uh, certain Ohio <laughs> State position players. Uh, if, I mean, we gotta make sure conditions are just perfect for football, or 
Yeah, if it's a Chris, really get thrown into into disarray. And that's a good that's a good point, Ace, because Taylor has just established that in her house, her house has a dog in it. You know who does not have (laughs) that dog in them until further notice? The Ohio State Buckeyes football team. I saw that coming and still wasn't sure if he'd do it, and and he went and did it. He did it. Look, they could turn things around this season. I do think, though, it should be said, like, they do kind of need a culture shift. They don't just need, like, better position coaching and better scheme on defense and all that. That's all true. And, like, that is achievable. I, You know, I they have great athletes and all that stuff. But, like, they actually did a culture shift because the team that came out in Ann Arbor last year did not have that dog in them. And I'm not just joking about it. Like, we all saw what we saw. And so, you know, can they turn that around? I mean... Probably because things go well for Ohio State football overall. They're never but bad. They're never. they're never bad. And even that the worst case scenario for this team is still a very good team. If Michigan beats them again, one reason will be because Michigan uh, is still the tougher team. So we'll see how that plays out. And I won't wear if, pants for the whole month of December. If Michigan meets beats them again, Ohio State fans are going to do a January 6th to get Urban Meyer back into office. That's a guarantee. <laughs> oh, it's, it's You're totally right. <laughs> I, I can just hear the flipping the field uh, guys who are you know, both notably Ohio State fans in the back of my head as you're <laughs> as you're going on that um they don't have the dog in them monologue being like, Yep, you're right, Connor. Absolutely. We need more dog. We just do not have enough dog to really compete with the the true dogs of the sport. But do you know who has numerous dogs? Many dogs. As many dogs as really you could conceivably want. Home field apparel. New promo code. Meet at midfield for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. I'm not really joking. They got bulldogs. They got terriers. They got a lot of they got a lot of dogs on shirts. Um, and I own uh, more of them than I care to admit. Um, they've also got Indianapolis Colts gear now. That was a cool little partnership for Homefield Apparel. So if you're if you're an NFL person and specifically a Colts NFL person, uh, they now have that. Uh, Yep, meet at midfield for fifteen percent off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. Uh I'm wearing a uh Montana Grizzly shirt right now. Uh shout out to Connor, I guess. Um, Go Grizz, baby. Ace. Yeah. I love I love you, man. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, no, it's uh it's maroon. It looks good on me, man. And uh it's got a it's got actually kind of an adorable but uh also grumpy looking bear on it. Uh, I I I recommend it. I think it's great. Um, oh man. And then you get nice. random ca- questions about like, oh, you're from Montana? And you go, no. <laughs> and, and it's very awkward. And then you walk away because you're awkward like me. Um, but yeah, uh, Home Field Apparel. Uh, just uh, spurring awkward interactions since 2019, 20? Somewhere in there. Download the Points app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB, that is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly, set limits, avoid chasing losses, never bet when you can't afford to lose, take breaks when you need it, and use the self-exclusive feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, lay 20 bucks on the Illini. Just do it. Just go and do it right now. <laughs> Open up points bet. You're getting minus 105 uh, on the Illini uh, at plus three. Um, I'd, I'd maybe split that bet and, you know, uh, throw, it, throw it on the money line too. But uh, just go do that. It's It might be free money this weekend. We think it is. But uh, if it's not, uh, we're not liable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's how it goes. Um we're on to the big questions for this season, and we start with the one that everybody 
has been asking uh, or has sort of been asking in some form. We are more going to focus on which quarterback finishes the season as quarterback one, because as has been laid out by Jim Harbaugh, Michigan will start Cade McNamara in the opener against Colorado State, and they will start J.J. McCarthy in the second game against Hawaii. And both of them will play in each game. And I, I, that's fine. This is how quarterback rotations uh, and competitions that extend into the season tend to go. Um, the weird part is uh, announcing it via a quote graphic of your in-house podcast uh, on your Twitter feed. That w- Michigan is weird. Let, let's not. I'm not saying they're not doing weird things, uh, but the ultimate result, I think, is fine. Um, I like to think Jim Harbaugh asked for that specifically. He was like, yeah, this will be really good for the social media. You should put it on the Facebook. And he really was like stoked on it. So like, I have to imagine like people would have picked it up. Like someone on the beat would have absolutely written about this, but they decided to just get, get ahead of it and just throw it, throw it in, in Adobe, but which makes it more peculiar and definitely made it more of a national big deal than it needed to be perhaps. Yeah. Because there were, I mean, there were reporters like who were very clearly like frantically listening to inside the trenches or whatever in the trenches and uh, uh, frantically transcribing or tweeting out (laughs) like the depth chart (laughs) because Jim Arbaugh like literally went through the entire depth chart uh, on John Jance's podcast. And uh, yeah, then Michigan, uh, through May's letters on a blue background, which probably just tickled Jim Harbaugh pink. And uh, yeah, and and we've got not a bunch of people that had really weird reactions to it. Jim's <laughs> like, Jim's like, we got to we got to tease the quarterback decision so we can draw some eyeballs to the the real story here, which is I I have forty seven tight ends that I want to play this season. I'm, he, I'm going to name each and every one of them. Literally said eight tight ends, including a walk on, would see the field this year. Extremely Jim Harbaugh, especially when you look at uh, Michigan's other skill talent talent and realize who would have to come off the field for these guys to get on. Um, but sure, Carter Seltzer is he's gonna play a bunch this year, you guys. He's, he's gonna see the field a lot because Michigan is gonna win some games by forty. I'm Joel a little Hawk surprised. 10 targets. I'm a little surprised that Jim Harbaugh didn't list every tight end's favorite cut of steak specifically. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, quarterback one. Uh we we are talking about who finishes the season as it because uh who begins the season um is going to depend on which game it is and uh which half it is, maybe which drive it is. Um I'll just go ahead and say that personally, I think uh, Michigan is building towards J.J. McCarthy. And I also think that McCarthy is, I mean, he is obviously the highest upside op- option. I also think his floor, given the where the level he played at last year, is higher than what people think. Um, there is obviously concern that he would throw a game or two away because he might take a sack or throw a pick or, you know, there was a fumble against Michigan State last year, although Jim Harbaugh said that was Quorum's. Uh, issue um i mean there is clearly some downside there and we know that Cade mcnamara's floor is being able to take michigan to the playoff um but i just think mccarthy is a level of quarterback where when you've got a roster that could potentially get to a playoff and from there who knows um you want to play the guy who you can see winning a national championship and i see jj mccarthy as a quarterback who fits the mold of a guy who can lead you to that and especially with what Michigan wants to do, running the ball can really open things up. And I just, 
I mean, we know what Cade McNamara brings to the table, and he's quite good at what he does, and what he does is also limited because he's um, not particularly athletic. So um, I, I just think McCarthy's arm and his uh, and his legs went him the job, especially since I don't know if the gap between them in terms of uh, managing a game is as wide as people necessarily think. But um, Connor, I, I believe you have the uh, the counter. I've decided to make this my thing. I am the general of the Cade Brigade. Mm. Um, I, I think I, I tend to uh, get really into things that I feel like are a little bit, you know, underrated or underpriced, if you want to use uh, that metaphor. Like, and I think I don't know. I, I think Cade Cade McNamara is the kind of guy I expect him to get significantly better with every year that he plays college football because he is, you know, that kind of he's both cerebral and extremely hardworking and has like exceptional mental makeup for a quarterback which i think is one reason why like he and jim harbaugh are so mind melded is he is the first quarterback harbaugh's had at michigan who gives jim exactly the attitude um that he wants so you know as much as i think jj mccarthy has a lot of those same traits and as much as i do agree he's got better physical tools i just have a feeling that this season is going to go very well for Cade, and the team will keep winning and that there won't be a like a real need to usurp him and that you can still work McCarthy in there and have like really good packages for him and have him do a lot of cool stuff. I just think that like given the leap that I saw Michigan take last year in all aspects of running the offense and the guy who was responsible for doing it and the fact that I expect him to get a little bit better and that he is such a great team leader, I I'm giving him the edge for now. That is a fair point about McNamara like getting better, which is the thing that I think people sort of have like decided is impossible um and it is like Cade McNamara can absolutely improve especially working the intermediate areas uh he was kind of uh dump off or bomb and he was pretty darn good on the deep balls actually but uh um those like 10 to 20 yard throws gave him some trouble and if and if he can improve there then it'd be pretty darn hard for JJ McCarthy to pass him um it's you know that's a complete quarterback at that point uh We've covered two sides. Does anybody have like a, a quick thought on, uh, you know, or any strong opinion one way or the other? I uh, have adopted an anti anti Cade stance where I've <laughs> like backed myself into supporting McNamara because I'm getting annoyed with the criticisms of him. Like he was a pretty good quarterback for a first year starter. He won a lot of games. Like I'm, I'm good with Cade. I do think McCarthy will start by the end of the season though. I, I agree with that. I think that the offensive uh, skill talent lends itself a bit more to McCarthy's sk- skill set than than McNamara's, specifically the wide receivers. I do think that that's a little bit more geared toward geared toward JJ rather than Cade. Uh, but that's not to say Cade is not a good quarterback. I and Jim Harbaugh did say, I believe, in that very long podcast that he was very impressed with with McNamara's growth whether that's just a camp thing to say um you know who knows but I don't think he would necessarily just like gas him up I I do think McCarthy is gonna look real good uh throughout the season and he's and he's a good safety net to have if JJ continued if like McCarthy like has a few of those like issues that popped up here and there last season just by virtue of being newer yeah. All right. What do we expect the defense to look like now that they need to generate pressure without Aiden Hutchinson and David Ochavo? Um, I I think we're going to see a wider variety 
and more blitzes uh, because Michigan is going to have a hard time getting at the quarterback for four people. Um, not to say they won't be able to do that, but I, th- I think there's at that point they might be going to situational pass rush or something like that. I, I, I think we might see more sub packages, uh, and, but we're also going to see, I think, a lot of that ground made up for by just the increased complexity of the defense because this is year two of Michigan running the Raven system after Don Brown uh was unceremoniously let go um and they should have the ability to run more stuff they bring back a lot of guys uh in that back seven and uh hopefully that can kind of make up for losing those edges and i mean let's be the guys who are replacing hutchinson and ojabo are not going to replicate what those two guys did uh it'd be nice if they had like 70% 70% of the production. If uh, if that happens, then I actually think the defense can make up for the rest of that. But uh, that's also still asking for quite a bit because those two guys were remarkably productive uh, given the way Michigan constructed their defense last year to kind of just let those guys be the two designated rushers while everybody else stuffed the run. Uh, it was a great way to be able to construct a defense, but it's uh, it's kind of dependent on having that level of talent on the edge. Um, Connor, uh, you, you have some additional thoughts. I just think given the amount of talent, uh, or at least like depth of talent that Michigan has in their edge group and their unbelievable track record of producing NFL edge players, I do think the edge who was promised will emerge. I don't know who it will be, but I think someone will will emerge as an excellent edge player again, uh, if not more than one player, but I'm also going to bet the house on this. I do think Michigan is going to, in a lot of situations, at least, a lot of the teams they face, I think they will get some interior pass rush. I'm a big believer in those beefy boys in the middle of the defense, and I think that is going to make the equation very interesting. Even though I agree with everything Ace said, I do think Michigan's front um, is going to be a little bit better than a lot of people think. All right. Yeah, I like my, the optimism. My, I'm going to maybe balance that optimism <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so in the in the notes you said what do we expect the defense to look like now that they need to generate pressure without Hutchinson and Ojabo? Um, my answer was just worse. Yeah, it's going to look worse. Michigan had three first round talents on defense last year. There isn't a guy that's getting drafted in the first round of the next NFL draft on defense this year. I think you you zoom out and you you look at it and it's like okay, Michigan had a Heisman finalist on defense. How many teams have that in a given year? And that guy's gone. Um, I think it's pretty reasonable to expect that Michigan's defense is going to drop off. How much the drop off is, is kind of an open question. I do think it'll be offset by um, the continuity in the scheme. And I, I think the secondary will be a little bit better, even though they lost Dax Hill, just because you have young players who are coming into their own. You have a five-star freshman coming in. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of question marks on defense to me. Ultimately, I'm not super concerned because Michigan plays in the Big Ten and doesn't face very many good offenses. Um, but yeah, you lose an Aiden Hutchinson, and it's you know that leadership is a big loss. There were a lot of other leaders on that defense who you know didn't get drafted in the first round, but you know were key contributors like Josh Ross. Michigan has junior drafted at all. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw a tweet though, some breaking news on the bucket problem that uh, Jim Harbaugh announced that John Harbaugh is keeping Josh Ross on the roster for the Ravens. Okay. He made survive the cuts. Man roster. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So heartwarming. That is, I mean, the, the Baltimore Wolverines, I feel like they're going to have 
half of their team be be Michigan guys. I, I am cool Jackson. with us giving them players and them giving us coaches. I, I like that trade. <laughs> it actually does say something about Michigan, though, that like a lot of the best run franchises in the NFL, like Kansas City, New England and Baltimore, like love Michigan players. That does actually tell you something, I think. Yeah, no, I don't disagree there. They might just be the Michigan uh, recruits talented players, but that, that's that's something. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, moving on to, I, I mean, I think it's misleading to say that Michigan has two new coordinators because Matt Weiss was on staff last year and uh, sort of theoretically Jesse Benter is kind of a, not a one-for-one one replacement for Mike McDonald, who's now uh, the defense coordinator of the Baltimore freaking Ravens, uh, but a guy who comes from the same coaching tree, uh, was also with the Baltimore Ravens, has some college experience. And has experience at Vanderbilt, which means uh, the man's had to um, make chicken salad uh, during a pretty decent portion of his career. And uh, yeah, um, so like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of like significant philosophical shifts. Uh, There's just too much continuity. If anything, do we have any concerns that Michigan is a little too too focused on continuity? Taylor, I think you have that concern, at least on offense. I do. I think, again, having previewed... Uh, kind of what versatility the offense has to offer. I think I would I would like to see more of that utilized because that is what makes that's what makes them more of that's what makes Michigan's offense more of a problem for their opponents and harder to plan for and account for. So that's why I hope to see more of it. We definitely saw it, especially toward the back half of the year last year. Um, using Henning as a running back, for example, is something that that I liked. Um, I, I'm a sucker for a trick play that works. Not to say that you should do that all the time. That's really not a sustainable way to build an offense. There is a way of getting too fancy, but I do think that, and this is kind of why I'm tentatively team team JJ because you have really excellent route runners. You have guys with a lot of potential to break out that can be used more creatively. Part of that does come with the quarterback, but part of that also does come with um, what, what safe, what I guess low risks you're willing to take with those players. Um, And again, I don't think that necessarily means doing anything wild, but I do think that, Sometimes Michigan's offense has a, how do I put this? Um, and sometimes they like to be a little safe, um, a little. Um, and, and I don't want to kind of go back to that mentality because there has been a shift. Um, I think so more or less just completely ball out is what I want to see. Um, and I hope that that is a mentality that happens. Yeah, no, I, I, I will say that I think, um, the main change that we could potentially see is if uh, McCarthy takes hold of the starting job, then we should see a lot more variety of the offense, uh, including um, I think more intermediate throws because he's more comfortable with his arm strength and obviously a lot more in the running game of what we saw in um, situational packages last year. If that's just a a part of the full offense and, and opponents have to, account for that on every play. I think that is where uh, the greatest potential lies for Michigan to be better than they were last year, as opposed to attempting to replicate uh, the success of that season. Uh, But at the same time, they made the playoff last year. 
So uh, continuity, continuity is good. And uh, Connor, I think you've got a, a case for continuity. Yeah, it just comes down to if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I think Har- Jim Harbaugh has fully embraced that with these moves. Um, I also think, you know, looking at Ohio State, which I think about constantly, um, mm-hmm. never interrupt your enemy while they're making a mistake. Uh, Napoleon once said that, and I, I still think Ohio State is committed too much to the the Big 12-esque stuff while Michigan commits more and more to mashing fools at an elite level. So I appreciate everything Michigan's doing in this regard. I also want to say um, I no one has seen Jesse Minter and Mike McDonald in the same room. That's uh, true. Jesse Minter might be Mike McDonald in a mustache for all we know. So let's hope that's the case. I, I would appreciate that greatly. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into what um, player, game, or event are we most excited to see this fall. And I'm just going to get it out of the way. It's the game for me, and not just because I'm on a uh, um, Michigan slash Ohio State uh, platform right now. Uh, but um, while this feels like a tremendously obvious answer, it was not the thing I was most excited about for the last several years. So I think that is a change worth noting. Uh, Alex, uh, I haven't asked you a question in a while, so I, I want to throw this to you. <laughs> yeah, my the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is seeing if Michigan covers a 65-point spread against Hawaii. Yes. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I just, yeah, I really am excited to see what the offense looks like. I think really with either quarterback it's going to be really explosive i think blake corum is is an awesome running back i mean really one two punch at running back you could put that up with any other team in the country and i i think i would take ours um so yeah i'm excited to see what the offense looks like um i don't think josh gaddis is a big loss and yeah hopefully michigan puts up a lot of points and wins a lot of games taylor well um to to some extent i'm excited for uh uh, Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker, I think both of them are delightful. Um, PFF is uh biased against our beautiful, beefy boys. Um, all we're, we're gonna and- talk about PFF in a, in a later edition and how they, they're fraudulent, yeah, yeah, we are. We definitely front. are. <laughs> that, that, that could have easily been a big boot, but I think we would have gone on for like 45 minutes on how uh. They apparently capped Michigan's run blocking grades at like 65 last year. And we should do a whole bonus episode about what's wrong with PFF. Sorry, keep going. The short, the short version is they ranked Michigan between uh, Northwestern and Penn State at run blocking last year, which uh, uh, sounds reasonable to you. Uh, Jesus Christ, what games are you watching? But anyway, Taylor, uh, I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's fine. Um, it's we have we have a duty as uh, media members to expose uh, the lamestream fake news media, um, and I am going to use my platform to to speak my truth. Um, I, I'm not going to do that. Actually, um, I I have a great respect for for the media and all that they do. Anyway, um, I do, I'm really. I'm really looking forward to seeing them because, again, as I keep talking about, I have been doing the offensive line preview. Um, I've watched that content all day, and I and all in Scootmaker are like so important to uh, Michigan's blocking, like in a way that when they are gone, there is going to be. I understand why Jim Harbaugh wants to play like a thousand tight ends because don't do it, it Jim. is going to get them that experience. Um, so, and as you know, I am a tight end freak. Um, anyway, uh, I am also really excited. Um, I'm actually really excited about Carson Barnhart. Uh, I, Michigan's gonna... sixth offensive lineman. They're utility yeah, linemen. This is great. So cool. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad choice. This is a pawpaw Michigan's finest. <laughs> I think that rocks. Um, 
he's got a name of like someone who who is probably like a tiktoker um he definitely was born in the year like 2002 i don't want to look it up um but i think that uh he's really fun and i'm all for him just kind of being in the rotation being um kind of again the utility guy which i think is a lot of fun because jim harbaugh uh said so Trente Jones is going to be the starting right tackle, um, but said that Barnhart is very easily able to slide in at that role and both both sides at guard, which I think is just exciting. And I've never spoken so enthusiastically um, as I am about Carson Barnhart right now. I actually watched um, his what he did to um, kind of read the linebacker right before uh uh, Cade McNamara throws to, I want to say it's Andrew Anthony's first touchdown in the Michigan State game uh, that we don't talk about other than that. Uh, throw, like, he reads it super well. He comes across the, he comes across uh, to, like, stop the linebacker, and it's really, really good. Uh, and I, I, I just think it's, uh, I'm so excited. I just don't even have words because I'm so excited for these big BP boys um, to play their best football and if we did make a franken team to beat ohio state michigan's offensive line would absolutely be part of that they're the best offensive line um in in the big 10 right now and one of the top offensive lines in football again yes uh, absolutely agreed there uh connor what about you uh i well, first of all, I just want to underline uh, Taylor actually made a very reasonable pick because if you are the sixth offensive lineman for Jim Harbaugh, you're going to be playing a lot. So um, shout out there. I, I am also a little bit sad she didn't mention Joel Honigford as part of the tight ends room. Don't want to slander that guy. He's going to be a key part of the offense this year. But uh, more to the point, I'm excited for the big beefy boys on the other side of the ball. I'm really excited about Mason Graham, a true freshman who looks like he's going to be a serious factor in the defensive line. I am super, super excited about Chris Jenkins, um, a, a guy I think could actually be a huge breakout star on defense potentially. And I'm also interested about everybody in that group of the large guys on that side of the ball. I think they'll actually be a huge strength of the team. I am also finally really excited about Ayabi Enoma, whom I do not expect to become like an instant superstar or something. But his role in this team is going to be to go in there on passing downs and be fired out of a cannon at the quarterback. And I think that given his physical gifts, when the guys he's playing around, I think our chances of getting some really cool highlights out of that and maybe even some high leverage impactful plays are pretty good. So I'm pumped about all of that. Yeah, I was pretty excited about his athletic ability when when looking at his what limited tape is available on a Yabi Enoma. But uh, I, I do think that Michigan has some really, really exciting young players up front on the D line. And it's always fun to see those guys uh, grow. Um I have fond memories of seeing like Brandon Graham and Mike Martin developing as players when uh, everything else was otherwise uh, pretty bad, pretty bad. Um, quickly before we get out of here, let's do uh, let's do record predictions. Let's uh, let's get spicy. Um, uh, I'll get mine out of the way. I have eleven and two and a Rose Bowl win. Um, I do think Michigan unfortunately drops a game before the Ohio State game because the numbers just compel me to say that one of those games happens and it also just feels like this team has enough question marks whether it's the pass rush or uh, picking the correct quarterback I won't say that it's actually quarterback itself because they're both going to be good but the choice will matter and uh, you know there might there might be just enough sore spots for them to to trip up in a game that they shouldn't and then 
Ohio State's really good, and they will now be extremely motivated to win that game, and it's in Columbus. So I cannot, in uh, good faith, pick Michigan to win that game without feeling like a massive homer. But um, I do think Michigan is an extremely good team, probably one of the six to eight best teams in the country this year. And I would, I, I think they would, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get in a hypothetical bowl matchup, but I think given, I think they'll be one of the best teams, one of the one or two best teams that are, that's not in the playoffs. Um, Alex, what about you? So a lot of people have been talking about how Michigan and Ohio state could potentially meet in the game as two undefeated teams for the second time ever. Uh, I think that's going to happen. I think Michigan is going to lose in Columbus on some heartbreaking bullshit, mm. but regroup uh, after being, you know, cruelly left out of the playoff due to the, you know, the hand of fate in other conferences. Um, going to wind up in the Rose Bowl. They're going to beat Lincoln Riley and USC and finish twelve and one. Um, I actually learned recently that there's a a shop in my neighborhood called Rose Bowl Floral. Um, so I think I got to go make a purchase before the season for like good luck or something. Oh yeah. Well that, that, that just for the vibes is I, I think an obligation. Um, Connor, you have, uh, you have an additional game, which means I think you're, uh, you're, you're, you're feeling things. Well, first of all, I, I'm not talking about the Rose Bowl at all, which you can tell I'm the only one here who didn't go to Michigan. Uh, you guys are still uh, honoring the old, the old gods, which I appreciate. Um, yes, we are. And look, if Michigan goes to the Rose Bowl, especially if they win it, you know, I wouldn't be too upset. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go big or go home here. I'm gonna say 13 and one, Big Ten champions. Once again, a heartbreaking semifinal exit from the college football playoff. Um, but I mean, honestly, like the one game in Michigan's regular season that is a stretch is Ohio State, which, you know, I, I think you do have to on balance as a non-homer predict that they will lose that game. And it's also reasonable to say they, they will, you know, maybe drop one of the other games. I get all of that, but I don't have to be a non-homer. <laughs> uh, I am <laughs> I am this podcast resident homer and resident optimist. And so I look at this team. I think they are very, very good. I think they have one of the best offenses in recent decades for Michigan football. I think the defense won't take as much of a step back as some people think. The vibes are very excellent. Um, I could see them doing... Yeah, the vibes are super important. I could see them doing it all over. Let's run it back, baby. Let's win the whole damn Big Ten. I like it. Um, Yeah. All right, Taylor. It's 11-2. and It's a Rose Bowl. Uh, I will go to California. I will um, have a great time. Um, I've always wanted to go to the Rose Bowl. It's been on my bucket list. Um, Also, if Utah is the opponent, as is predicted, um, we will win two Rose Bowls via the transitive property. Um, So especially if they aren't playing a running back at corner. uh, Yeah, that's correct. Then it counts as three wins. Yeah, I think it does. Um, and yeah, I, I know that that's technically wrong. And now that I'm thinking about the transitive property. Because, no, no, no. Don't, uh, <laughs> don't think about it too hard. I'm not going to think too hard, actually. Um, it works. The logic works. It is very sound. Um, if we'll, we we'll win... throw some scoring margin in there. And as long as Michigan wins by a certain amount of points, it'll work out. Yeah, but a uh, forty-nine to forty-five, and then they they beat Ohio State a second time, uh, and it's gonna rock. Uh, but I do think the two losses, one of them is gonna be Ohio State. I'm really sorry. Um, the second one felt like an obligatory uh, Michigan State loss, or just like one of those in the in the weird game category. Uh, I would I would like to say it's twelve and one, uh, but I'm not that that optimistic. All right, I mean, I think. 
The fact that our uh, relative pessimists picked a two-loss season and a Rose Bowl win uh, feels like we're in for a pretty fun season. I mean, it, it, it is a season that seems like it's going to come down to a couple of close games or um, maybe one or two close games and then one game that is hopefully close. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, I don't think you can ask for much more than feeling like there's a pretty good shot of heading into the Ohio State game undefeated because from there, who the hell knows, especially after last season. This has been the Bucket Problem. Um, we will be launching our subscription pod uh, from for subscribers to meet at midfield this week. I am taking mailbag questions. I am giving priority to those of you who leave them via five-star review on Apple Podcasts because uh, we can rig the system like that. We're biased, um, and we love it. And uh, hopefully you love the show and are willing to do that in return for getting your mailbag question read uh, on the subscription pod. Uh, if you want to be able to listen to that podcast, uh, meetamidfield.com. Once again, we are running a uh, 33% off sale into uh, through Saturday. Um, in honor of week one. In addition, follow at Bucket Problem and at Meet at Midfield on Twitter. Um, rate, review, and subscribe to this here free podcast. Use the promo code Meet at Midfield at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code Bucket Prop on PointsBet. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful week one.